watch any tv uh i just recently and i'm super late to the party i just finished andor uh, actually oh uh, and i i loved it yeah it was it was wonderful i've been watching it with my uh, my brother jamie uh he, who you may have met I and do. I uh, love it jamie. became a little tradition for us to watch it but the problem is before he went off to college you know last year we only got through half of the show so i've just been sitting here twiddling my thumbs <laughs> uh, stubbornly not watching any more of it uh, and so when he got home we finally finished it it was wonderful amazing Amazing. Yeah. I, uh, I haven't finished Andor just quite yet. I've finished, I've stopped halfway through, um, in the middle of my, of me watching it. Um, uh, of course my, my, uh, my laser burned down and I've only been getting about three to five hours of sleep every night since then because of the stress, but you know, Hey, it is what it is. I, Andor has been amazing and I can't wait to get back to it. It's interesting that we're both finishing the show right around the same time, uh, without, <laughs> I know, actually knowing, still right? late to the party. I know. <laughs> uh, I also need to watch uh, the rest of the Star Wars universe. I think I've only seen Mandalorian season one and two. So, and I also need to watch Akosha. Is that what it's called? Ahsoka. Ahsoka. That's the one. Yeah, yeah it's gonna. I, I heard it was. I heard it was mid. I don't know. I'm. I'm being a little more cautious now of Star Wars media just because there's so much of it, and it seems like the, the average quality level has dropped a little bit. Yeah, I've also heard the same thing about Boba Fett. I it's not supposedly great, but I haven't watched it. So, yeah, what I, don't do I know. know. Feel, feels very scatterbrained their approach right now. Really? Yeah. Have you seen Have you seen uh, Boba Fett? Yes, I have. Was it good? It wasn't as bad as I think some people might portray it to be, but m- man, missed opportunity. Really, um, yeah, not great. I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. I've been watching, um, I think, uh, rust to riches from Netflix just came back out. See, so I think season five, that's like the car restoration. See, the weird thing is I don't really care that much about cars, but it's an entertaining show. So I watched the car restoration ones for no apparent reason, other than just mild entertainment. Yeah, I mean, as long as you can frame it up and make it look interesting, you know, there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> I just started. Uh, I I just started the the first episode of uh, the Bear, uh, which is on Hulu. Ooh, um, okay. About a, a chef taking over uh, his brother's uh, restaurant. It seems really interesting. I'm not a chef. Uh, I'm not particularly into into cooking, um, but it's it's quite compelling already. I'm excited to see where it goes. Okay, awesome. All right, so we're gonna move on to the spicy team now. We're gonna move on to um, you know, our. Or Blades of Cain. I do want to tell you both this as well. I've been sitting in Games Workshop's pre-order line for the past 20 minutes on their store. And they're just saying like, oh, you have seven minute wait. And I'm just, and not 20 minutes later, and I'm still supposedly two minutes out from pre-order, their pre-order page. Fantastic. Thank you, GW, and your new website. I want to point out one more thing. I was thinking about this after I read the rules this morning, rolling around in bed. And I thought, you have two ways to own this team. You have three friends, and each of you buy the different aspect warrior box. And then yeah, fair. you get at least three from each box. Cool. The other way, which I think is better, is have two friends, and you split three of these aspect warrior boxes, so you get 15 models total, uh, a series of five from each of them, which, as you'll see the rules, or listen to the rules, 
it will make sense. Unfortunately, I think only five Dire Avengers come in a box. So one person. Really? Dang. I thought it was a box of 10. It used to be 10 many moons. No. Well, hopefully you can buy the old ones. Yeah, because that's what I was still thinking. I thought they came in 10 still. Dang it. Yeah. All right. Well, that kind of throws a wrench into that. Yeah. Get fucked. Buy the whole box. Buy all three boxes. You probably could find Dire Avengers a little cheaper online. They're more abundant. Not anymore. They're going to get... Sna- well, I mean... Now, uh, you know, now you can buy them. I'm sure if you go get them now before everyone starts buying them up is the time to do it. I mean, to be fair, you only really need one or two. Yeah. I mean, really, we'll, we'll get in. We'll, we'll get into it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, this is the Blades of Cain, uh, fellow Eldar enthusiast. Uh, why don't you... You want to start us off, Chris? Yeah. So, so the the Blades of Cain uh, is uh, just makes my heart so happy as a as a uh, diehard uh, Eldar and Beeltan fanboy. I've got what probably equates to five or six thousand points of Eldar sitting in my closet, uh, all painted up in that glorious forest. Both of us combined, we could get twenty thousand. My God, twenty thousand points! Amazing. Yeah. Uh, and I love me some Aspect Warriors. Uh, I just mm-hmm. think it's so cool. And the second I heard about this team dropping, I just got super, super excited. Uh, so Blades of Cain uh, come in with eight operatives because Aspect Warriors are masters of their craft. They have been fighting in that aspect for hundreds of years often. Uh, some of them are lost down the path. And uh, they are just really, really into fighting. And I'm really glad that the rules uh, for these on the table really reflect that. Uh, for the team, you're going to pick an Exarch of any flavor that you want. Um, you have the Dire Avengers, who are the more shooty, defensive-focused aspect. You have Howling Banshees, who are the aggro, melee, power sword, kill Space Marines aspect. And then you have Striking Scorpions, which are the more sneaky, subtle, uh, and probably chew-through hordes aspect. You'll pick a leader from one of those. Uh, each of them have some weapon options, which I think we'll go, go through later. And then you just... Grab bag of seven other uh, aspects. You can go mono aspect and run them all the same, or you can do more of a court of the young king uh, kind of deal where you're taking one of each aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely love uh, the, the the flavor of this team, and then you also get archetypes based off uh, what you chose. So you're always going to have seek and destroy uh, because us elves love killing, uh, and then the different aspects flex into their sort of most appropriate uh, archetype uh, for tech ops. Absolutely. I, I'll go over my, before we go dive into it, I'll go over my, my bonuses, my, my pluses and negatives of this whole team. Um, been saving my, my thoughts for a, a hot minute. So I love the team. I think they're going to be a real fun team. I love that they went back to the old kill team. Um, the old, you know, 2018 or 2016 kill team. And you're able to take all three. I think the te- the, you know, models are going to be fun. Uh, my my negatives about the team is striking scorpions don't have a three up save, which is they've had it in every single edition of every single codex before. And I don't know, I don't think giving striking scorpions a three up save is would have been bad or game breaking in my opinion. Uh, I think that they're actually one of the the more not as good um, because of it. Uh, and I think, I think the overall flavor of the team, this is going to be a hot take for everyone. I think they're just like a really overcomplicated white dwarf team, uh, that they came out really middle par, uh, in, in power. And they're really, really, they're going to be really difficult to pilot. And I don't, I just think that like 
I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm like, I'm, I want to play the team. I just think that they're the design choices for the team is just really odd. I just don't like how, how a lot of the, the things kind of parried out. I think that there's a very specifically good way to play the team currently until they get a buff. Um, and it's going to be interested to go through it. G, do you have any overall thoughts about the team? Yeah, actually, I thought they were a lot cooler than I expected. Yeah, they are very cool. Yeah, like way cooler than I expected. Um, but there's, as, as you'll see, there's not a whole lot more going for them. Uh, in terms of operatives, rule-wise, they got plenty. Plenty of rules. Mm-hmm. That's going to make them differentiate. Um, but like scouts, where you have to take three warriors, there's also... This, this is a warrior team. Yes. Yeah, this is a warrior team. And I think that's cool, because we haven't really had a warrior team. But the special rules make those warriors better. So yep. it's sort of like you don't really have warriors. It's, it's definitely the first of its kind. Absolutely. Um, I, I think there's definitely one of one, one X arch is better than the rest. And then there's probably like a preferred way to play into different factions. So, um, I think that the team is very straightforward, but I think that it's going to be difficult to keep track of. Um, do we, uh, do we want to go over operatives first or do we we want to go over their strategic ploys and tack ops and stuff first? Well, let's quickly, we already talked about archetypes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, well, th- did we talk about their archetypes? No, oh, no, I don't think we did. Um, this is one of the few teams that has access to all four, mm-hmm. but it depends on what you take. So if you have more dire Avengers, you get security and if you have more striking scorpions infiltration, but otherwise you can always choose. They can destroy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's cool. You can have the option of all four, you know, Banshees give you the recon. So, that's that's kind of fun. It it makes you sort of want to have extra models that you can choose to do one of those archetypes if you think it works better into the uh, your opponent's team. And I like that. Mm-hmm. I think that the Dire Avenger security is a trap. I don't think that security is good on this team. Uh, Chris, what is your overall thought on which one do you think that you would take? Oh man, uh, I mean, such a hard question because not only are you tailoring your what you're mustering to you know what what your opponents bring to the table to to win the win the fight on the ground, you need mm-hmm. to also tailor to the archetypes. Uh, I think I think each archetypes, uh, you know, security for dyers, recon for howling matches, and inf- infiltration for shining scorpions is going to suit them all pretty naturally. Um, so I think those are all uh, pretty good picks. Um, and I think probably. Yeah, going going heavy on Dire Avengers is probably more of a niche choice, but where you would do that, I think security might make sense. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's hard for me to see a situation where you're not bringing those Banshees for recon. Um, I, 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 I don't know if in practice you're going to see a, a Blades of Cain teams uh, sporting less than four Banshees usually. Yeah, I, I also think that um, anyone, like typically you can only bring what? nine people nine models right so typically you're going to take nine this is an eight model team yeah 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 or eight models so like since you have a roster of 20 you're probably going to see everyone bring like i don't know eight howling banshees on a roster and then like maybe eight striking scorpions and then what four dire avengers i don't know if we'll actually see anyone ever on a roster bring eight dire avengers um 
I mean, they could, and you just like drop the striking scorpion team, but typically you're going to see two full lists and then you're going to have a four option. Um, I don't know if you'd ever take more than four dire Avengers or, and then also like, you also have to imagine that, um, you're going to want to bring your Exarch mul- multiple ways. So maybe you don't even get, maybe you take like 12 Howling Banshees and eight, eight, and then like nine or 10 Howling Banshees and then vary it up with Striking Scorpions and Dire Avengers from there. Um, yeah, I really think that this team has some really amazing equipment, some amazing tack ops, and some amazing. Um, attack ploys and stuff. I think that the intros to this team is very fascinating and very, very well done from uh, Games Workshop. They're a little less, uh, they're, they're more than and less mobile than other um, Elven teams, which is very fascinating um, in different ways. So uh, starting it off with uh, the attack ploy, or is it a strategic ploy? eminent grace that is so most other elven teams like corsairs um compendium and um what's the other one uh hand of the archon Mm -hmm. they typically all get a dash at some point like hand of the archon can spend something and then they get you know a free dash and move at the same time and then they can shoot or or basically it's like a linked action yeah yeah corsairs are cool because you can move shoot and then dash these guys um, and girls um, get Eminent Grace, which adds one to the movement characteristic of all Blades of Cain. So essentially they get Rapid for one CP. Um, and then they also get to move around and across and over other friendly Blades of Cain operatives uh, as if they were not there. So this is great for Into the Dark. It's great for you know other kinds of moves you can really clump models and not have to worry about it this is pretty much in my opinion a one cp every single turn um, it's the new vanguard yeah yeah i so, think you're hard pressed to <laughs> not play this uh play this uh turn one for sure like uh and in turn two it's it's uh, you know seems like pretty much not a take um after yeah. that it becomes i think more questionable yeah Agreed. if you are gonna take it um but mm-hmm. very very strong um, yeah, so th- this ploy makes uh, Blades of Cain, I think, probably the most mobile um, of the of the elf teams, save maybe for Void Dancers. Um, yeah. But these guys are actually faster now. Uh, flat flat line distance uh, Blades of Cain are faster, and they mm-hmm. you know they can have full range guns too. So you know, don't discount that a Dire Avenger can just move dash ten inches uh, and then shoot um, if yep. it wants to. Um, very, Absolutely. Very very cool. Uh, makes the team again again hypermobile instead of needing to have a you know a special rule so the only uh, extra action is dash like corsairs or having to do a ploy and do the actions together like uh, hand of the archon does or compendium does uh, they can do their dash whenever or decide that they don't even want to dash and dump that movement into doing more of something else so i think i think blades absolutely get the better end of the stick uh, regarding mobility because they, they have just as much on good good times and then if they don't need the mobility they can trade it in for a different action um so overall overall better absolutely they also have a great way for an alpha strike turning point one you can take the the fly the fly dash recon and then you can take eminent grace and you can essentially get a uh with like a like a howling banshee you can give howling banshees fly or at least one of them a fly you can then move them what three seven plus three so we have a 13 inch right 
Yeah, thirteen I, I inch. Do, I, one one thing about the Howling Banshee fly uh, is that the fly is capped at six inches. Yes. It's, Say it again. I'm sorry. The, the fly for Howling Banshees, when they pop that aspect technique, is capped at, at six inches. Oh, that's right. So that that's means right, you don't get the right. bonus for uh, f- for flight uh, if you do a charge. Uh, you don't get that extra two inches or with Eminent Grace. That said, Eminent Grace does stack with with charging, so mm-hmm. uh, you can you charge for uh, nine inches normally, which is pretty strong. So to get the alpha strike off with a plasma grenade on this team, you're still uh, you still you can't do fly, but um, you get a what a three seven thirteen, so basically nineteen inch threat range. Possibly, it's not the biggest threat range in the game, but it is it is close. You know, so uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's like you have you can flex into fly when you need it, right? So yeah. I mean, I think that's the important part. Absolutely. So we start to see a few things that are are similar with um, Blades of Cain. So uh, forewarned, which is typically like a typical Eldar spell, right? Um, So uh, at the end of the turning point, each time a shooting attack is made with a made or against a friendly operative, you can re uh, in the roll defense dice of that shooting attack. You can re-roll one of those defense dice. It makes sense. They've had this before. Uh, They have similar stuff like this in in 40 K forewarned is always typically good. Um, and then we have Ruthless Poise and Ruthless, and then Kane's Vengeance, which is you can re-roll one of your attack. So Kane's Vengeance is re-roll one of your shooting attack dice, and then Ruthless Poise is re-roll one of your attack dice in close combat. So uh, Yeah, the, get, the only call-outs there uh, mm-hmm. is that one of them specifies they need to be ready, and the other specifies they need to be not ready. So just be mm-hmm. very careful when you read those. Uh, and gunfire ambush and blade ambush from scouts have similar restrictions. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. for them, they always want their victim to be not ready. Um, here, the melee one, uh, you want them to be ready, and the ranged one, you want them to be not ready. Yeah, that's very important. Very, very important. Um, A mechanic and, we haven't seen too often. Yeah, and this one affects, I think, the entire team, and then some of the other scout stuff only affects a singular model. Uh, no, it affects the whole team, too, usually. All of it. Yeah, and another, you know, mentioning the entire team, I think it's really neat that none of the ploys say anything about any individual aspect, uh, which I think is really, really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think if they did, it would just actively make the team even worse. Uh, and this, this is, I think, a very big improvement upon making uh, the creation process of a team because there's other stuff in a lot of other Space Marine teams that is like, hey, you know... I think at Phobos specifically, they're like, hey, if Reaver operatives or if this operative, I like how this team, this is just like, hey, these guys are all cohesive. They're all a team. They've all trained together for years. And they, you know, this is, this is what happens when, uh, when you use forewarn, you know what I mean? For the entire team, which is fantastic. Who wants to go over the, uh, the tack boys? Mr. Chris does. All right. Uh, Blade Wind. Uh, awesome name. Uh, Blade Wind, mm-hmm. I think, is the the name for uh, BL Tan just absolutely exterminating all non-elves in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, this is going to help an, a, uh, a Howling Banshee or Striking Scorpion do some extermination of its own. Um, it just gives you double fight. It specifically calls out Exarchs as not being able to use this, which may seem like a bummer when you read this page. 
And then you read the Exarch rules and you realize the Exarch can always do double fight and double shoot. Uh, so uh, you don't need to worry about that for Exarchs. They can always double up on those combat actions. You'll need to spend for the regular mooks to be able to do it. This is absolutely massive. Uh, I've been hearing a lot of people online be talking about how this team is just worse than Void Dancers. And I don't understand how you can think that when you can flex into whenever you need to being able to fight twice. How many times have you seen a Harlequin player uh, get kneecapped by the fact that they can't fight twice, right? Huge, huge problem for that team. The fact that this team can flex into either and the leader can do it natively is amazingly strong. Yes, that is true. That is true. I think the reason why people are saying that they're worse than Void Dancers is because a lot of their ploys mimic Void Dancers and they just do it worse. So leaning on Bladewind really helps um, differentiate this team from Void Dancers um, because, again, they do get to fight twice, which innately can make them better. They just have to survive. Mm-hmm. How about Starfall, Mr. Chris? Yeah, so Starfall, uh, same idea as Blade Wind, except you're able to shoot twice. Um, again, this can, this can let a cheeky uh, Dire Avenger uh, shoot two times. Uh, combined with some of the aspect techniques for Dire Avengers, can, can let a single Dire Avenger get a lot of work done uh, during its activation. Um, and then uh, that segues very nicely into the next one for Fading Light. Uh, which allows a Blade of Cain operative to fall back for one less action point, uh, mm -hmm. minimum zero. Uh, what this could allow you to do is, if your opponent is trying to tie up your Dire Avengers to stop them from shooting, or you know, sort of, you know, eventually get some fights in, uh, your Dire Avenger can can activate, fall back uh, with for one for Fading Light. Uh, then you Starfall to shoot twice, and then for one of those shots, can turn on a Torrent using their Aspect technique, which we'll talk about in a bit, uh, and then your. Uh, your uh, Dire Avenger shotgunning three models, uh, which which could be really, really cool. Um, so Absolutely. tons of different ways to play the team. Uh, Fading Light, uh, you know, some of the other Eldar teams have a similar version of this ploy. Um, it's much stronger when your team has three base APL because then you can fall back for one and you still have two actions left in the tank. Mm -hmm. uh, Absolutely. Now, now we get to the absolute best tactical ploy and probably my favorite ploy that the team has uh, altogether, and that is Contempt. Contempt, use this ploy uh, in combat uh, when your opponent is shooting you uh, or, uh, you know, basically when your opponent's shooting at an uh, operative of yours or when they're fighting an operative of yours. Uh, for that combat or shooting attack, you just say you can't reroll your defense dice. Uh, keep in mind that it's in the roll attack dice step, which means you get to see the roll before you use the ploy. That means if your opponent has Relentless, you can shut it down. Uh, mm -hmm. And if, if your opponent ever whiffs, you can say no. Now, this stacks together with uh, another thing that I've heard a lot of talk about online, which is, hey, the, the Banshees and Scorpions only have four attacks, right? Okay, that's true. But you realize, oh, well, well Banshees just always make their victims injured in combat, minus, minus one weapon skill. Uh-oh. Uh, then you factor in the fact that you can turn on Contempt. And if your opponent ever whiffs a key roll... It's over. And those Void Dancers who rely on those balanced uh, swords, right? If, if they ever whiff, it's absolutely over and you can just beat their face in. Uh, Contempt is so amazingly cool um, because it's, it's, it's just uh, you can whip it out whenever you need uh, to get that nice get out of jail free card. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. It's pretty, contempt is very, very strong. I think this team is going to be starved for CP pretty badly because they want to do so much and use so many things. So make sure that when you're playing this team competitively, you at least keep something in there for contempt on that, on a, on a, on a really particularly like important combat, right? Because if you need to use it and then you don't have it, it's going to feel bad. It's going to feel real bad. Yeah, absolutely. Damn, I shouldn't have used re- for, uh, forewarn turn turned one. You know what I mean? Like, there's definitely times that you want to definitely keep something for those specifically uh, for these specific moments. Because I think this team is is going to play very very Eldari, where you want to think about what you're going to do. The, the 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 better you are at thinking what you're going to do in future turns, and what you're going to need to use, and what you're going to be doing, the better you're going to do in playing this team because they are really high skill cap team uh, that is innately going to benefit from people who can think forward like an elf. They, uh, I, I, someone lovely called them galaxy brain team. And I think they are uh, definitely a galaxy brain team for yeah, sure. They're the, the thinking elves void dancers. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes indeed. With better shooting. With better shooting. Yeah. So let's move on to their tack ops. I'll go over some of their tack ops. I do like the names of the tack ops first and foremost. Um, so we have aspect warfare. So while a friendly dire avenger uh, or friendly howling banshee and a friendly strength scorpion operative inflict damage on an enemy operative during the same turning point, you score uh, one VP. Um, so this is saying. Did I read that right? You have to have all three operatives inflict damage upon this um, enemy, enemy, enemy this, operative yeah. during enemy, the same, not, not the same enemy operative. No, that, 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 yeah, that I was like, rough. I was like, yeah. what is? is I, I, are I we just fighting, fighting against other pox? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and then if you uh, do it again on any other turning points, you score one VP. So this one really incentivizes you to take all three. And heaven forbid if one of them die, because you only brought one. Um, I don't think I'd take this, just because it it's, leaves you open a little bit too much for counterplay from other operatives. Like, like your enemy operatives could just really focus on um, killing like what you bring less, the least, and then you just can't score it anymore. Um, yeah, I mean... It's also a, a good one because you can generally get damage off from each of these models because they're all specialized enough. So as long as you play it correctly and your opponent doesn't counter you, I think it's a it's a good uh, it's a good take. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I, I think it's okay. Um, I think it, it locks you in a little bit too much. Like not only to you must take all three aspects, uh, but you also must have them all uh, fighting and shooting at the same you know in the same turning point. Uh, it's not, you know, it wouldn't be terribly hard to get this, uh, but it's also, I think, I think it railroads your play style a little more than I'd like. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So the next one is called Master of Techniques, which you're only going to really be taking competitively uh, if you had take all of one, one faction. Uh, so you could take all Howling Banshees, all Strength Scorpions, or all Dire Avengers, and uh, to make the easiest use of this, right? Which is, uh, which I don't think you can even score it if you, if you don't take all, all of one faction. 
um, essentially you have to use all of your aspect techniques, which the special ability of this team is each aspect warrior gets a aspect technique um, that they can use each round and each aspect can use once in each round. So innately, that means that you can only, if you take all three, you can only bring in one aspect technique for each one. So the only way that you can score this is if you take all of one kind, because if you take all of one kind, you can take two aspects per round from each one. Um, but it does force you yeah, to... I, I sorry, I, I I might need to step in here. I'm not sure yes. that you have the reading of aspect techniques quite correct. Okay, go um, for it. When you um, you can use each aspect technique each once per activation. Oh, not really? Once per round. Yes. So uh, as long as you have five of the same uh, on your team out of your eight, you can have a decent chance of getting master techniques. But some of the uh, aspect techniques can be used on your opponent's activation, right? It's not just your own activation. It's your Well, that makes a team drastically better than I thought they were. <laughs> okay. Well, glad we cleared that up. Yeah. Um, you, can, you can use a lot of aspect techniques. Yeah. I think this, this uh, has played or, uh, if you go mono aspect for sure. Um, however, I think then you can use into, two per activation, right? No, you can always use, you can only ever use one per activation, but you're capped at using each once per turning point. So uh, the problem you run into, I think, with each of the different aspect techniques is that you'll easily be able to use, I think, four of them each turn, but trying to find a place to use the fifth might be hard. So, uh, you know, for example, for one of the Dire Avenger aspect techniques, Unstinting Unmovable, um, if you have a failed save, you can retain it as a normal save. You know, you may be in a situation where your, your opponent just doesn't shoot at you, right? So if they don't shoot at you, you didn't use the fifth technique, and then you can't max master techniques. Mm. So I, I think that's where the problem comes in here. Um, for sort of the more offensively suited techniques, um, you can easily use all five, um, you know, de depending on what you're doing. I think for the for the Howling Banshees and Dire Avengers, it's a little easier because you can use them more passively. Interesting. So this team is so complicated that I read the rules and I still got it wrong. So make sure <laughs> you read the rules of this team before you play them. Um, so let's go over the aspect technique more thoroughly before we go any further. <laughs> um, sounds like a good plan. It sounds like a great plan, my friend. Why don't you read these? Because I'm awful at reading out loud. All right. <laughs> aspect techniques are unique abilities uh, that the aspect or that the Blades of Cain team has. Okay. Uh, here, and you'll we'll list them each per aspect as I think we go through them. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't use more than one technique per activation. Uh, this has echoes of the Novitiate Faith system, where you can only use one unique faith uh, point or faith uh, per activation. But remember, this is just per activation in general, not for one of your own activations. Many of the aspect techniques can be used during your opponent's activation. So that takes up that slot. So each mm. aspect warrior could easily use one during their own activation and one during their opponent's activation. Um, for example, I think Banshees have one that relates to uh, parrying out in a combat. I think they can use that during their opponent's activation, right? So really, really strong there. However, you're capped at using each technique only once per turning point, unless you went mono aspect. And then you're capped at using uh, the uh, that aspect uh, up to two times each turning point. Interesting. Okay. So, for example, if you went mono Howling Banshees, you could you could activate one of your Howling Banshees. You could have it fly, and then when you activate your next Howling Banshee, you can also have that Howling Banshee fly. 
Um, but that would be, since you went mono banshees, that would be both of your flies for that turn. Uh, anything else that seems sort of unclear about the aspect techniques with that in mind? No, it looks like this is going to be a great opportunity for me to make something for this team that has two little check check mark boxes next to each of the uh, the little special things that each team can get. Right, so like Dire Avengers, I'd have the Woe Reign of Tears acrobatic scream that steals and shriek that oh that's for this is for howling banshees so like i'd have each one of those in two little boxes so that in case you went mono you can just mark down each time you use it during a turning point and then erase everything um that's going to be if anyone's thinking about bringing this team i suggest you do like bring a couple little like sheets or i saw this comes with a card put uh, a dice on each card each time you use it so that um you know, you're not using something more than once for your opponents so that it's readily visibly uh, out there for your opponents. Because I could definitely see some people misplaying or possibly abusing this if, if they're not careful. So, Yeah, one idea is put the card in a card sleeve and then use a dry erase marker uh, to uh-huh. check and then uh, wipe off at the end of each turning point the techniques you've used. That is a good thing as well. Okay, so how about you go through Martial Harmony after, since since I butchered Master of Techniques so hard. All right, so so now that we know how Aspect Techniques work in more detail, mm-hmm. um, and, you, and we can see that Master Techniques is certainly not an auto-take, but certainly not impossible. Um, Absolutely. It's really going to depend on the, you know, again, broken record here. Depends on the matchup and which aspects you took. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I think we have what I think is the best of the Blades of Cain Tac Ops, Martial Harmony. Uh, and this basically incentivizes each aspect to be doing the things that they like doing. Um, they're all working together in harmony to to help you achieve your goals. Uh, at the end of each turning point, uh, if a dire avenger controls an objective marker, if a friendly striking scorpion is within six of an enemy operative, and a friendly howling banshees is within six of your opponent's drop zone, um, if you get two of those things, uh, you score a VP. And if you achieve it again, you score another VP. Um, so here's what's really, really easy. strong. <laughs> yeah. You take one dire Avenger. He's sitting on your backfield objective. He, he lights a cigarette. Yeah he's, yeah. he's hanging out. He's having fun. Um, he's, he's wondering where his cool scope went on his shuriken catapult, which we'll get to in a bit. Uh, and then a striking scorpion is just sort of hanging out anywhere near the middle of the table where he can be, uh, within six of an enemy operative. Boom. Those that's two of the three criteria. You've scored yourself a victory point. Uh, these guys are going to be in harmony here. Uh, this is probably almost certainly, the the go-to tack out for the team it does force you to take effectively all three uh different aspects uh but i think the team wants to take all three aspects anyway yeah i i tried to make like arguments for myself to want to ever take anything else other like what is the one mono team i guess it would be howling banshees maybe striking scorpions in certain situations but in the end, you're going to want to take all three just because it's just so right now, I think it's innately better. Unless if somebody figures out some secret sauce that we can develop or talk about later on, you know, maybe maybe the key is taking all Dire Avengers. Please don't. Yeah, I, I don't think that's <laughs> I don't think Dire Avengers mono dyers is ever going to be the key. Uh, I think any if any mono aspect is fully viable, I actually think it's scorpions. I think mono scorpions against our friends like Vetguard, Kazarkin and Pathfinders is the only realistic mono team you'd want to take. Yeah. Um, because Howling Banshees don't give you very much uh, compared to what Scorpions do in those matchups. Absolutely. So 
some of the best pictures that I saw online um, for specifically the uh, Dire Avengers and Howling Banshees and Striking Scorpions was on Glass Half Dead's channel because he actually included both the cards and all of the abilities. Some of the other ones are, you know, you have to flip through the actual, uh, you know, pictures of other things like that. So, um, yeah, we're, let's go through a couple of these. Um, well, actually, maybe maybe all of us pick an aspect and uh, we go through all all of the things of that aspect. Absolutely. Um, what is your favorite aspect? Uh, you know, I. I'll I'll take one for the team. I'll go through Dire Avengers because I do actually like Dire Avengers, um, and they're I I, th- I think they're my favorite aspect uh, historically. So I'm going to go through them here, even if they may not be the best on this particular incarnation of the rules. Okay, but we'll see. Uh, so uh, we'll go why, off and talk why, about the Exarch. Why is Dire Avengers your 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 favorite? Do you like the color scheme? What is the the thing about them that makes them. I really like the the sort of the martial discipline um, coordination um, mm-hmm. aspect, so to speak, if you will. Um, so they sort of implement that in defense tactics here, but depending on the the rules incarnation of Dire Avengers, I just really like uh, how they work as a unit and historically have been able to shoot through each other or other things like that. Um, you know, th- like really, you know, work as a, as a tight knit group, uh, be hyper coordinated and uh, be very defensive and, and ranged focused. Okay. So, okay. yeah, I, I, I like I like my Dire Avengers. Uh, so Dire Avenger Exarch, uh, definitely a potentially a contentious model. Uh, all the Exarchs have the same stat lines. Uh, they're all still three APL, like their buddies. Uh, but unlike their friends, they have the Exarch armor for a three up save, pretty cool. And they mm-hmm. go up to nine wounds. Uh, those nine wounds can get chewed through real fast in combat, and the team generally doesn't have too many ways of avoiding that. So they run into this problem where the team wants to be in melee, and uh, you know they they get chopped pretty fast. So Dire Avengers uh, at least have some ranged to help them with that particular limitation. Uh, the Dire Avenger Exarch has a laundry list of weapons, but I, I suppose I'll go through the weapons second and talk about the, the Dire Avenger shtick first. Yeah. So Dire Avengers will generally have a uh, shuriken catapult. Now, it looks like they forgot their Avenger shuriken catapult at the store, so they're just rocking a regular shuriken catapult. Uh, yep. It's going to be four dice, uh, three, four rending, uh, with the Exarch hitting on twos, as it should, because, wow, Exarchs have been doing this for a really long time. If they don't hit on twos, I don't know if anyone should. <laughs> uh, as far as their special ability, they have defense tactics. Uh, so when they perform Overwatch, they don't worsen their ballistic skill uh, of ranged weapons for that Overwatch action, uh, which means uh, they're much better on in the dark, because when they go on guard, they shoot at full ballistic skill. Um, and also helps them a little bit on open board. Uh, but I think Dire Avengers are going to be much, much stronger in ITD because of that. Fair, uh, fair. The specific weapon options that Dire Avenger Exarch is going to have, uh, it can take a Shuriken Catapult and Fists. I don't think that's very exciting. Uh, the Fists do hit pretty hard. Uh, they are slapping for 3-4, which which isn't too bad. Uh, I think they just have incorporated the weaponized Panoply or whatever into the stat line, I believe. Um, but the Shuriken Catapult by itself is, uh, is not terribly uh, impressive. It's just 3-4 rending. Um, it's not nothing. It's not fantastic. Uh, you can also have the Twin Shuriken Catapult and Gun Butts uh, option, which I find a little bizarre. Uh, this thing has worse ballistic skill. It only has on threes, and it only does three critical damage instead of three, four. Uh, yeah, less. this seems innately the worst option to me, unless if there's something that I am missing. Yeah, so so when I read the compendium, uh, so 
<laughs> I have two Dire Avenger Exarchs modeled, and one of them has the tw- Twin Shirk and Catapult option. And when I first read the compendium, I said, oh, cool, Twin Shirk and Catapult's here. And I looked at the stats, it seemed fine. Uh, and then when I actually read the rules more, I realized that, oh, he didn't have a melee weapon. So if anyone yep. rolls up in melee, they just roll dice and kill him. Um, yep. And not being able to roll dice in melee is catastrophically bad in Kill Team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I read Blades of Cain, Kill Team. I wake up, you know, I say, oh, oh cool, okay, gun butts, uh, awesome, awesome. Uh, and then I look at the stats, and I'm, and once again, I'm disappointed. I don't know why Games Workshop uh, seems to hate the really, really cool uh, twin gun version of this guy. Uh, I think that's a super niche choice. Uh, so I think the Dire Avenger Exarch's probably going to be taken for the Shimmer Shield. Um, that is the uh, one of the options there to uh, get that invuln save out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then can take a Power Weapon or Dire Sword. Uh, along with it, uh, the power weapon, regular five attacks, four, six, lethal five. So you can take the, the dire, so you can take the shimmer shield and the dire sword. That's different. Let me uh, let me check that here. Because typically, uh, like in- yes. So mm. the the dire avenger exarch can take either a dire sword or power weapon, and either a shimmer shield or shuriken pistol. Wow, interesting. Yeah, it's very different than than what we see in forty k. Is typically you're always taking the dire sword and like uh and actually not a pistol but an actual shuriken catapult, uh an Avenger one because they actually don't have pistols anymore. They're they're modeled out. <laughs> so are, are, are you are you sure the dire Avenger Exarch isn't still sporting a shuriken pistol? So it looks like a shirk. It likes a, It looks like a shuriken pistol, but it's actually just a shortened version of the Avenger catapult, and that's how it's always been in 40k. They actually just don't have pistols. They just all of them have the Avenger catapult. Um, I mean, maybe 10th edition will change that, but it's always been they've never actually had a pistol. Interesting. Uh, I wasn't tracking on that. I thought they had the pistol. Yeah. Uh, interesting. So what's interesting is that the, it was always Dire Avenger, pist- uh, Avenger catapult double catapults which you get a fire twice or the power weapon and the shimmer shield it's it's some interesting design choices that they've changed some things almost like they didn't read the codexes beforehand um on certain aspects of 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 the of the eldar it's very interesting design choices um maybe they just thought saw the the shorter pistol so they thought it was i'm not sure but it's interesting that we have a pistol in general because I, I mean, I don't think that the, the, I think this is by far the worst Exarch of the bunch. Uh, I don't know if I'd ever take it. Would you take him in any any situation, Chris, competitively? You know, it, it definitely when we get to the other Exarchs, it's going to become clear why you're saying that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I think it's a little bit hard to justify it. Uh, mm-hmm. on, at the same time, uh, this guy, I think, is one of your like your only, uh, if not few, sources of an invuln save with that Shimmer Shield, True. Uh, which, depending on the matchup, can be really, really important. This team does not have basic uh, invuln saves, so that's something to keep in mind. Yeah. Um, and then another thing is, you know, the the this guy's Dire Sword and Power Weapon is throwing five attacks and is one of the, the few sources of five attack melee on the entire team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having five dice hitting on twos, four, five, lethal five rending. That's it's not good. too shabby. It's yeah. not too shabby. Yeah, it depends on the break point. So I certainly, you know, certainly wouldn't throw the Dire Avenger Exarch in the garbage. 
Um, but uh, he he may be the least impressive of the aspect warriors uh, or the aspect exarchs that we have. Yeah, in my opinion, I think they definitely could have increased the power of certain certain weapons of this guy to make him more enticing to take him over some of the other ones. I uh, just I don't foresee myself taking him unless if there's like no cover whatsoever. I'm going into Inquisition with the plasma cannon, and I need <laughs> I need invulnerable safes. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I don't know, like maybe, you know, because because Dire Exar can shoot twice, you know, maybe the the combination of shooting the Twin Shirk and Catapult, shooting it twice, and then having Torrent for one of those shots, you know, maybe that was that was just something that was just too strong of a combination, and just Dire Avengers mm-hmm. were gunning everything down. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, t- very flexible, very modular model. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. going to need to magnetize mine because, uh, I just need way more options than I have now. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm not sure if this Exarch is going to make the cut. Yeah. Um, yeah. then we, then we move on to the Dire Avenger warrior. Um, very, very similar to the compendium incarnation, uh, notably gaining an APL, but losing balanced, um, which, which really, really hurts. Yeah. Um, Dire Avengers do have the Avenger Shirk and Catapult, which always had a targeter on the weapon and on their uh, back, which helped them aim. Uh, this team, I think, tries to reflect that through the aspect techniques and, and not the stat lines, mm-hmm. um, which I think is nice. But also given that I think Dire Avengers are probably the, the least impressive of the aspects, I can't help but wonder why balanced isn't there. Um, that said, again, team, uh, the Dire Avengers, I think, really are helped out by having uh, defense tactics with that Overwatch uh, not being worsened. On In the Dark, you know, he can pop double shoot to shoot once and then go on guard and, and have that unmodified guard. You know, I think there's some play there. Yep. Um, definitely not bad. And I definitely foresee running one or two Dire Avengers uh, in most uh, musters. Totally agree. Um, you want to go over these uh, the abilities that they yes. can do once per turn each? but they're allowed to do one per activation or uh, twice per turn, depending if you take all Dire Avengers. Yes, uh, precisely. Um, So there's a combination of uh, active and reactive aspect techniques. And uh, they also, some of them have echoes of things we've seen, particularly from the clowns before, uh, because this team and and clowns have a lot of similarities. Uh, So we'll start off with uh, the Slicing Hurricane. Uh, This is a, a new version of Between Colors. Uh, which was the Void Dancer uh, ability to, uh, you know, you move, you shoot, and then uh, you can keep moving. This is was a little bit niche for for our friends with the Void Dancers because, one, they had to pay a CP to turn it on, uh, and two, their only long-range weapon they could use it with, uh, they weren't actually allowed to use it with. Uh, you couldn't use it with the, with the, dark, uh, with the Death Jester. Uh, so Dire Avengers fixed this problem. You only use it on the one operative you'll probably really actually need it on in practice, uh, for maybe to scoot out for an objective, shoot, move back the objective, and then do a mission action. Uh, so because you're only popping the suspect technique, not spending a command point, you don't need to do it ahead of time. Much, much stronger. And you also have full range when you do it. So really, really neat. Uh, I like it. It gives them a lot of flexibility. Uh, and again, I really like how this team is trading brute force on the Dire Ventures for just being able to be very flexible, right? Flexibility, adaptability uh, is the name of the game for Dire Ventures. Uh, next one is Death of a Thousand Blades. This one is definitely the flashiest and most popular. Uh, after a Dire Avenger shoots with a Shuriken Catapult, it can shoot again at another target within a circle of the first target. Uh, this is very similar to Torrent um, in practice. Usually you're not getting multi, you know, three plus model Torrents off anyway. So effectively you're giving a Shuriken Catapult Torrent. Uh, this combines with other things the team may have. For example, being an Exarch and being able to shoot it better. 
um, or being able to shoot twice, right? To shoot two times against one target, another target, and then a third target potentially. Uh, just a lot of a lot of flexibility here for Death of, of a Thousand Blades. Uh, and again, you are not spending a command point for it. Uh, the next one, Vigilance of the Avenger. When you shoot, you get no cover. Uh, not super exciting. It's, it's yeah. there if you want to take away cover save. Uh, not very flashy, but again, you know, just helps push a little bit more damage through. Uh, next one, I think we talked about this one a little bit earlier, Unstinting Immovable. Um, when somebody shoots at you and you retain any critical saves, um, you can uh, retain a failed save as a successful normal save. Um, it's nice insurance. And again, because you don't need to spend a command point for this ahead of time, you just wait for this to come up. And when it happens, boom, you pop it. Uh, so many uh, other teams have this baked into a ploy, and then you have to spend resources ahead of time to hope that you're going to have this specific save combination occur so you can use this. Uh, Dire Avengers just get to use it reactively when it's going to help them the most. Uh, finally, last but not least, uh, Raging uh, Heat of the Dying Flame. Uh, when you activate a Dire Avenger, if it's injured or, ha- or had a negative APL modifier, uh, you ignore negative APL modifiers and injury uh, until the next activation. Um, so pretty cool. Uh, makes the operative unable to be injured. So unless your opponent has super injury, nothing's going to get through that. Um, so that's that's the Dire Avenger aspect techniques. A good combination of sh- uh, focusing on shooting uh, and then a little bit of uh, endurance and durability, which is very much the, uh, the Dire Avenger, you know, uh, shtick. Absolutely. So now we're going to move on to Howling Banshees. I love me Howling Banshees. So my favorite aspect, I asked you earlier what your favorite aspect was. Um, my favorite aspect is uh, fire dragons. There's no, <laughs> there's, there's no fire dragons here. So I'll have to move on to my second favorite, which is Howling Banshees. I do love me some uh, female elven Elven homies, elven um, ranges, for sure. If you will, even though that you know, there are some male ones in there. I just pretend they're all female. Um, Howling banshees are pretty sick. Uh, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, yeah, and, and what's what's really interesting, actually, in the in the Eldar lore is uh, Eldar pretty progressive as far as the the gender thing, and they tend mm-hmm. to have a pretty healthy mix uh, of uh, their combatants are both uh, male and female. Um, but all Howling Banshees have uh, female presenting armor. And, and actually, the reason for that is uh, all of their armor is actually sort of a little bit stylized after their gods uh, and after the different aspects of Cain, who they who mm-hmm. they worship. Um, so the uh, the Banshees quite deliberately actually sculpt their armor and put the belly button armor on. Um, and it's pure style choice, right? They're, they're literally just flexing, um, which I think is yeah. really, really fun. <laughs> um, yeah, just absolutely love Eldar lore. Uh, really, really cool. The uh, only yeah. thing that I I wish that they had right was uh, a female presenting farseer. I just want a female presenting ours. Yeah, that farseer. would be cool, especially because like in media, farseers seem to skew female a lot of the yeah, time. Right? So it's weird that there's no minis that line up with that. Yeah, totally. Hopefully, when they re-release Eldar uh, this year or next year for 40k, we can see some some extra. Some extra good stuff, and we have to. I, I, I can stop converting and green stuffing boobs on the Farseer armor because it's quite <laughs> difficult when they have you know all the the runes of, of of foreseeing and the runes of warding on their armor. It's it's hard to you know. It's you either got to do that or you got to chop up you know a Howling Banshee to to really uh, have good 
a good aesthetic for well the uh, the other argument could be that eldar are supposed to be androgynous uh yes. you know uh by by character so uh, you, theoretically you shouldn't actually be able to tell when they have their armor on if they're men or women but uh of course good. of course we love our stylized uh stuff i just like painting boobs okay Hey, oh, I am not, I am not <laughs> judging or shaming. Uh, and uh, shout out to one of my teammates on bats, Miguel, uh, love your models, man. Absolutely. Love Miguel's models. He, yep. he crushes it. He's won yeah. so many painting awards. He's, he's yes, amazing. he has a really, really great. Um, they really, they really have a lot of character, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let's, let's dive right into these howling ban this howling banshee X charts. It's uh, quite, quite it's interesting that they're giving all Exarchs the three up save rather than just striking scorpions. I, it's interesting. I don't know why they have a heavier, heavier armor set or if it's just because that's how kill team rules present itself. Um, yeah, I think it's trying to be uh, reflective of the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, Exarch armor, uh, mm. having the sort of the, the spirits of the other L uh, Exarchs, you know, before them, helping them be more durable. Mm-hmm. I don't know how else you would have represented this. Uh, maybe I, I would have probably thought that they would have just had a native four up invuln save. Uh, that might have made, yeah. made sense. Um, or five but, up. Yeah, but but I don't I don't mind uh, having them uh, just sport a three up save natively. I think that's okay. Um, my my gripes, you know, sort of what you're alluding to there is that that striking scorpions don't have any extra don't have that three up save. And again, mm-hmm. I don't mind particularly that they don't have a three up save specifically. I do think it's weird that they don't have any more durability at all, though. I find that a little odd because uh, Kill Team is so granular, right? You, you can play yeah. with numbers, such small numbers to to increase the durability. Um, and mm-hmm. I don't know why Striking Scorpions, if they're not going to get a better save, why not another wound, right? It's, yeah. Uh, you know, it striking, the Striking Scorpions uh, are interesting because like in lore, they've always been like these silent hunters and they've always been the tankiest of, of like... The thing that you would always take striking scorpions for was they like even back in third edition they had the same exact save as a space marine and even howling banshees back then had a five up save they didn't have a four up save that was like a change in recent editions so like them having a three up save was like huge like they were just as tanky as a space marine they were stealthy four as opposed to the other eldar having toughness three right exactly exactly so like they were tough they were and it's just interesting to not see that reflected. And I, I like another thing they could have done was kept and kept Exarchs at, a, you know, whatever save that they were supposed to have and then increase their wounds to like 10 or 11, you know, just to give like something extra to change some things. But it's very interesting. I also find the Exarchs, the Howling Banshee Exarchs weapons to be fascinating. Um, I was, I, I guessed. I think the mirror swords and the power weapons, but the executioner I got extremely wrong. So I'm I'm excited to dive into these bad boys. Uh, I do like that they have every every war gear option available, which is really cool. So I believe um, you could take the striking the, the shrinked pistol and the power weapon, which I don't think you'd ever typically do. Um, I don't have. The thing in front of me is it uh what it, what what is allowed the tri- the tricycle what is the the tricycle <laughs> triscale yeah that's the thing uh the yes, tr- you can have either a shuriken pistol or a power weapon alongside it 
Um, I think I think the power weapon is definitely the move because the the daylight between the Triskelet and the Shuriken pistol is pretty narrow in my mind. Um, whereas the the power weapon I think can be considerably better than a Triskelet in combat. So yes. I think I think that's I think that's the specific combination there. Yeah. So Triskelet's um, shooting abilities very interesting. You get four attacks, hitting on threes, does two three damage, but it's range six and torrent three with uh with rending so it's a very interesting uh you know gun uh for an x-arch and it's very fascinating it's always been fascinating and it's been different in every edition no problem with it i think it's really cool and really interesting i do think the executioner and mirror swords are also a very interesting take as well like these all have play in my opinion so you have the executioner which has five attacks hitting on twos three seven damage with lethal five big so, damage big numbers <laughs> yeah some yeah they, they got some big dick damage right there yeah um do. so like it's great into anything with seven wounds usually with five attacks you're gonna roll one five and if you're charging you're gonna kill that seven wound model right um so it's great into low wound teams it's probably also good into like you know 10 wound teams. It's, I think it's an overall great weapon. It's just interesting that it has no other critical benefits. I mean, I guess the critical benefit is that it does do seven damage. <laughs> yeah. And uh, not only Hitting does, on twos. does it chew up those, uh, those dinky seven wound teams, um, it's also especially uh, gnarly against, for example, legionaries, uh, mm. because legionaries will degrade the normal damage characteristic of all the other ones down to three anyway. Um, so this is this is your version of a shuriken kiss, except it's lethal five. Uh, Absolutely. So on an operative that's just always worsening, worsening their opponent's weapon skill. Yeah, super cool. Uh, I love the executioner. Uh, my metal howling banshee exarch uh, has an executioner, uh, mm-hmm. and because it looks awesome, it looks awesome. I mean, how can you not? Just the giant chop. Um, yeah. Super cool. Yeah, and the fact that it gets five attacks, I did not see coming. It's fantastic. The mirror swords are very interesting because they're just power weapons, but you do get the plus one attack, hitting on twos, lethal five, and relentless, which is just reroll ones at this point, but still really, really good if you need to guarantee if you have if if the wound character is six into something that you're fighting and you really need to guarantee it, um, a fantastic, fantastic option. Uh, just because yeah. you you're going to guarantee every hit. Yeah, absolutely. I I don't know if in practice how exciting this is, uh, especially because in order to take mirror swords, you have to give up the shuriken pistol, uh, which is a bummer. It's understandable, but it's a bummer. I think one of the things that you might actually be looking for most with Relentless here is actually not trying to guarantee misses, right? So you're not just ceaseless. I actually think you're you're doing it to do crit fishing. Okay, um, I yeah. think a lot of times one of the reasons you might look at power or mirror swords is to guarantee you get that crit in. Uh, let's say for example, you're dealing with, uh, I don't know, Felgor and you need mm, to land good, that good, crit or you die. Point. Uh, you got 10 dice to roll a five. Not bad. That's true. That's not bad at all. I, I didn't even think about that. That's a, a fantastic. Uh, that's actually fantastic. The, tr- the Trisicli. God, um, has, 
Yeah, Triskele. Hits, uh, you get six attacks, hitting on twos, three, four damage, reap two, and rending. Interesting, interesting weapon. Uh, gets the most attacks, I think, of all abilities in kill team, uh, of this team at least. Seems okay. I mean, it seems good. Uh, I'm sure that it's good in the right matchups. I just can't think of any off the top of my head. What is your Gellerpox infected? Uh, this Ooh. one I love Reap into Gellerpox. Reap two is awesome, and having mm-hmm. less damage is actually helpful here because you can guarantee that, for example, you can slam this this Exarch into a Gellerpox mutant, or you can guarantee you'll be able to land at least three hits before it goes down because you're only going to do you know three damage because it ignores crits. Mm-hmm. which is actually good because this lets you get more reap in. If you roll multiple crits, you can make sure you get to trigger all of them. Um, and so you become the bane of glitchlings and do some free damage to a nightmare Hulk without actually, uh, sla- without actually having to fight it. Uh, I, I am in love with reap anytime I deal with Gellerpox and the Triskelet loadout is probably going to be my go-to here. Uh, really? Okay. Against that team. Okay. Yeah. I think that that's a great thing. Cause then you could then turn around and fight the the, the big dude afterwards because you know you're allowed to fight twice or shoot twice, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because then because oh man, imagine you charge the 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 glitchling right with a triskelet, you do the reap, and then you turn around and you fire your your torrent weapon at the big guy. Not yep. bad, not, not bad. bad at all. Yeah. I guess the torrent would also lethal five up and rending. I mean, you're, yeah. you're just it's a it's a crit tornado. Yeah, I love I love the Howling Banshee Exorcist. She's probably my my go to take for um for current rules. I do I do miss the fact that you can't get all three Exarchs um from the old editions, but it would definitely be probably busted. So um yeah, if, each uh, one if... is is better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> than what they used to be just, yep. just remembering kill team, uh, kill team 18, the, the, the list that I ran for space Marines, which was the Sergeant a team. It was seven sergeants, uh, mm-hmm. Terminator Sergeant, scout Sergeant, tactical <laughs> Marine Sergeant, all firstborn too. Cause I'm one of those. Um, it was well, awesome. I'm glad that doesn't exist in this version of kill team. And I'm really happy that, uh, well, I guess I'm less happy that Blades of Cain can't do it because Court of the Young King, I think, is all Exarchs. It's like sort of this, but it's, it's all Exarchs. And be fun to take, be fun to take that. I don't know in some sort of narrative way or a, a might, six, it, ver- six model version of this team, but all Exarchs. That could be funny. It could be, or it could be also pretty cool to do. Uh, or it have been, it would have been interesting to say like, hey, you can flex the other Exarchs in, but they they cost two operatives each. Yeah, you know that could have been interesting, but still probably. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know if they're. I don't know if each one's as good as two warriors. Agreed. Um, but I, I, I could see those six exarchs being, you know, that works. That would be amazing, especially with all brand new models. Oh, yeah, I love it. So we have uh, Howling Banshee Warrior next. Uh, the the thing about banshees, their special rules. They have the banshee mask. So each time this uh, this operative performs a fight action, worsen the weapon skill of the characteristic of the of a target operative's weapon by one for that combat. And it's not cumulative with being injured. So ultimately they have a, the Geller Pox infected, you know, minus one, which is really good. It's really good into a lot of teams. Like space Marines always want to hit on a three and they're like, damn, I'm hitting on fours. Vet guard. Oh, I'm hitting on fours. Shit. Now I'm hitting on fives. Oh my God. Yeah. It really skews some fight math. So there's some weird things going on with Banshee mask. First, 
uh, and this is something I saw with Striking Scorpions too, you have to read the text of the rule, and you have to also know a little bit of how fighting and kill team works. So Banshee Mask triggers each time this operative performs the fight action. And so I want to linger on this point a little bit because it's also mm, relevant to Scorpions. Where it's going. When a combat happens, one of them performed the fight action, but both of them are fighting in combat. So this mm-hmm. means that if your Banshee's sitting there and gets charged and gets fought against, the Banshee Mask does not trigger. But if you then activate and you fight, the Banshee Mask triggers. And of course, yes. if you charge fight, it triggers. So it's not as restrictive as only you get it when you charge. That would be pretty rough. Um, however, um, you don't get it at all if you're the victim of, of a fight somebody else starts. So that's just something to be aware of. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good call out because I think a lot of people would play that wrong. Oh, um, and the the other thing, real quick, uh-huh. uh, just because this isn't cumulative of being injured doesn't mean that effects that ignore injury work on it. So, uh, if if a um, <coughs> space marine, for example, plays and they shall not know fear, which I believe ignores weapon skill uh, modifiers from being injured, uh, this still works. So just keep that in mind. Absolutely. So moving to. Um their abilities we have the woe how about you just read these because i don't like to read out loud sure uh use this (laughs) aspect technique during a friendly howling banshee operatives activation after it has Mm -hmm. performed the charge action incapacitated an enemy operative in combat and is no longer within engagement range of an enemy operative perform a free charge action with that friendly operative using any remaining increments of that movement from the first charge action this aspect technique allows that operative to perform two charge actions to do so so freaking cool so often Uh, as a melee team, you end up in a very uncomfortable situation. Mm-hmm. You've charged something, you've killed it, and now you're sitting there naked, afraid, and in the open. Um, mm-hmm. Really, really problematic. Um, and this is a common way you take on a Void Dancer, right? Um, sort of leave them in a situation where they're going to charge somebody, and either they sit there, fight, you could fall back, or if they kill the victim, they're going to be you know, out there in the wind um, waiting to get shot by somebody. This helps you charge and hide in combat with somebody else, uh, which is probably something Howling Banshees are going to want to do all the time. Traditionally, the way you'd probably do this uh, most of the time is you would charge somebody who's ready and then finish the charge into somebody who's already activated, right? So hiding there and keeping yourself safe. Uh, Very, very strong and synergizes very well with the fact that the team has a plus one for movement uh, uh, ploy, uh, giving you an extra inch to work with for this. Absolutely. The other cool thing that you can do with this is you can pop your fight twice. So you could charge three inches, fight somebody, charge somebody else afterwards with a free charge, uh, and then fight them again, fight a second model and kill them. And yes, your your model will be in the open, but sometimes a two-to-one trade is is not awful, especially if you're going like a Bansy Exarch and you're killing two legionaries for one Exarch, might be worth it because then yep. they're down to you know four or less at that point in time, right? Um, not bad, not bad at all. Super cool, super cool ability. I love doing, being able to, to mess with charges and change things in a team that typically don't get changed. And this is one of my favorite, um, abilities that the Howling Banshees have. Yeah. Incredibly cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Next up we have reign of tears. Uh, so we talked a little bit before about how there's echoes of our Void Dancer friends in this team. Here's another Absolutely. echo. Mm-hmm. Use this aspect technique in the resolve successful hit step of a combat. After an active friendly Howling Banshee operative strikes with a critical hit, immediately perform a free dash or fallback action with that operative up to 
uh, three inches as though it can fly, any remaining attack dice are discarded. Do so, even if that operative has performed an action during that activation that prevents it performing a dash or fallback action, example, the charge action. So one of the most contentious debates in Kill Team is if Curtain mm-hmm. Falls uh, allows you to uh, end a combat and fall back if, if the operative uh, dies. Yeah. Uh, this fixes that issue by being generically worded enough where it just doesn't matter because if you're not in combat, you can dash instead uh, and you can do so as if it can fly. Uh, incredibly, incredibly strong flexible here. Um, so you have the Woe as one of your options or Reign of Tears as an option to be hypermobile. Um, after you charge, you can dash or fall back. Um, this you know, sort of takes a little bit of inspiration also from uh, something that Hand of the Archon can do, that, that dash after, char- after killing something. Uh, so again, really giving you that extra flexibility uh, for the uh, Howling Banshee to keep yourself safe. This is usually going to be something most of the time to help keep yourself uh, you know, hidden or in a way that your opponent can't retaliate. Something that I think that would be that is actually a lot of fun or really cool is if you take all Howling Banshees, you would be able to then, let's say let's say you're fighting into like Vetguard or something, right? You're scared of getting shot, so typically you're going to charge, kill something, charge something else, and hide, hide, right? Well, what if you use Woe, the Woe, and Reign of Tears? So let's say you charge with your Executioner, kill a guy, charge another guy, kill a guy, and then Reign of Tears fly, fall back behind like something that they can't get shot behind. Super situational, yeah, but that would still be, cool that theoretically. Would be really awesome theoretically. Un- unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. that would unfortunately also not be uh, in the rules uh, because you can only use each aspect technique once per activation. So the same model uh, cannot do the woe and reign of tears. Yeah, so you're going to look for two different opportunities to use this. Yes, that said, again, yes, this is a lot of mobility that you can use if you have a mixed team. You can use these each once per turn. And if you go mono banshee, you can use each of them twice per turn. So you can use the Woe twice and Reign of Tears twice. Um, mm-hmm. So it's half of your team doing funky movement stuff after they charge and do, and do other stuff. So very, very fun. Absolutely. All right. Uh, next up, the Iconic Acrobatic. Use this aspect technique when a friendly Howling Banshee performs an action which it moves. It can perform that action as though it can fly, but cannot move more than six inches during that move. Um, normal movement characteristics still apply if the operative's injured, so it can't move more than three, but it doesn't guarantee a three. Uh, super, super flexible, allows Banshees to get to places they couldn't normally get. Uh, again, it's not as powerful as the Void Dancers, which just have everything flying all the time. Um, mm-hmm. But I think a little sprinkle of fly is often almost as good. Uh, Void Dancers don't necessarily need everybody on their team to always fly, but it's really important that some of them fly sometimes. And so Howling Banshees get that. Yeah, and they can also dash on this because it doesn't specify they can't. Yes, uh, yes, indeed. Uh, the the dash can also do as, as though it can fly. And friendly reminder that the Reign of Tears dash also has native fly. Um, so mm-hmm. very, very cool. I think typically you're going to use this fly with a charge, um, but you can also use it with a move. Yeah, cool. Uh, next up, Scream That Steals. Use this aspect technique at the start of a resolved successful hit step of a combat involving a friendly Howling Banshee operative. If you retained any successful hits, you can resolve one successful hit before the attacker. It must be used to parry. All right. Here we are with a uh, one of those awesome aspect techniques that does not require you to be the active operative. This is a reactive, potentially, um, aspect technique. You can use it when you're active if you want, um, but you can combine this you know, right after you do some really cool charge. If somebody countercharges you, you can use Scream That Steals to parry one away. 
Uh, also, this can combine itself very well with contempt. Let's say that your opponent charges you, mm. uh, rolls rather poorly, um, and maybe gets you know two or three hits in. Um, like you know, let's say they got three hits in and they have a four or five melee weapon. You can use scream that steals to parry one of those hits away, uh, and then they can go ahead and smack you once. Then you parry the other hit, and you may end up clobbering and, and killing the enemy operative after. Uh, so this can turn a fight around, you know, swing at 180 from one that you would have lost to one that that's a push or even you potentially win. Um, amazingly flexible uh, move here. And again, you can use contempt to strike at the right time and uh, ruin your opponent's you know, bad dice, make a situation even worse. Absolutely. I think that's one one of the problems with this team is that you're depending sometimes on bad dice rolls. But what we do have to remember about this about kill team is that no matter how hot you're rolling, sometimes you're always going to roll poorly at some point in the game. You're always going to roll great at some point in the game. And that's when you really want to make use of contempt. Like if somebody's going to roll something like great, but also the Howling Banshee's mask works so well with contempt yes. because you're minusing one, right? Like it's so, it's such a good synergistic between these three abilities. So there's a reason I've talked about contempt so much when Howling Banshees have come up <laughs> uh, because that, that minus one's going to kick in a lot. So a lot of times, you know, especially at higher levels of play, uh, great players will tend to have a lot of ways of mitigating bad dice. Um, mm-hmm. That's going to be very common. Caster um, King. Yeah. Caster Kings indeed. <laughs> Uh, but if you use contempt, you're kneecapping a lot of ways your opponents could, could, uh, change their dice anywhere from ruining relentless, um, to making the Kazar King neutralized target, not work, um, to the pathfinders not being able to do, uh, one of their many sources of rerolls, right? Ton- tons of situations where contempt can come into play. Um, so really, really good, especially cause that's a, a sort of reactive ability. Uh, scream that steals is also really nice of being reactive and punishing, you know, for example, a torment, which might charge you with five dice and relentless, right? That's normally really terrifying, but a Banshee is forcing that torment hit on fives. Uh, mm. And then you realize the torment may not be able to reroll any dice because of contempt. And then you can parry one out with scream that steals, uh, making a torment charging a howling Banshee, um, potentially a terrifying t- prospect for the torment. Absolutely. I, another thing that I, I know I said this at the top of the episode, um, that the team is really, really complicated, right? And that's why it felt like a white dwarf-ish team. But what's what's fascinating about this team that's different is that the operatives are really simple. The rules themselves is what makes the team more dif- like more difficult to remember or do things differently. Because like you can, there's just like so many different options about the team and that's why the team is is a big galaxy brain team that's why it's a very it's going to be a lot of fun and a lot of you know exciting to play to say the least absolutely finally we have shriek that kills take us into that one chris shriek that kills i mean all of the howling banshee techniques have been bangers this one might take the cake uh we all know about the iconic scream that howling banshees can can whip out and this Mm -hmm. one mechanically translates is onto the board uh, it's a shoot action that a Banshee can do during their activation. Uh, it's six dice hitting on threes, one slash two. All right, you're hearing that and you're saying, wow, that's so lame. Then you realize, oh, it's indirect. Oh, it has no cover. Oh, it has torrent. And oh, it has stun. This is so Insane. strong on ITD. Uh, the combination of indirect, no cover, and torrent means that this can just spray a group of operatives 
and you have to be within three to use it on ITD for into the for well, if you're using the indirect keyword part of it, but it has a six inch total range, which Mm -hmm. means you can blast a group and uh, you find a combination that are all within one of each other uh, using combination of the six inch range and three inch indirect, right? So you have a few tools here. Uh, the no cover part of this isn't super exciting, uh, honestly. You know, it's throwing six dice, so cover probably won't make much of a difference anyway. And cover doesn't matter against stun because it works on retain. Uh, mm-hmm. That said, when you're throwing six dice, the odds of a six are really, really high. And this is just a really great way to just throw some stuns out there when your opponent's not expecting it. Also, and that's really good into like Felgor, Chaos Demons, Gellerpox. A lot of stun fucks over a lot of teams pretty bad, right? And the other exciting thing about this about this ability is like you have three APL. So if you start within six of a model, you can just do it, soften the target, and then charge and kill with your you know power weapon, lethal five up, and you could just do the six damage and just kill it in one attack. So like, and you can do this with every operative, every single Howling Banshee that you take. You could. You, you well no you can only do it once per round fuck so yep, yep. Uh, just I, I use know, it on I the know. right one use Soul it on the crush. right one yeah or you you're in a situation where you have for example two frenzied felgors in front of you uh you Ooh. can go ahead open up shriek that kills all you gotta deliver is one single crit i don't care the crit damage is two because i just got to get one through true true yeah that's fascinating that's i mean that's gonna be really interesting to see how they perform with that i yeah, know i'm uh, felgor brained after the buff <laughs> yeah i mean you have to be right we have to play into them a lot yeah interesting okay so i think howling banshees so far are probably the best operatives in my opinion and they probably represent some of the stuff the most i know that i was calling for like strike first or parry first or something like that but i think they added a really interesting thing that they don't need it because they have other abilities that do essentially the same thing in just a complicated manner, but in a good manner, in my opinion. Yeah, it's 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 different, right? It's, yes. it's not the same thing as Strike First, but in, in Kill Team, that would be pretty gnarly if they were all, it was a team of Shrive Talons, right? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> if, if it was just like, if they spent a, an AP to Strike First or, or some weird stuff, I don't think it's needed because you have contempt you have scream that steals you have you know the reign of tears you have these really cool things that also minus one to weapon skills also really fun so yeah move on moving on to the striking scorpions um i think i'll do the operatives and you do the uh the abilities my friend works for Um, me yeah and then we'll go on to equipment which i love their equipment it's my some of my favorite equipment in the game but um we have Striking Scorpion Exarch. Three up save, which it should be. Um, and then we have interesting abilities that it has. So, um, <clears throat> Manda Blasters are its ability, uh, are all Striking Scorpion's abilities. And uh, when they fight the in the select valid combat step, the operative automatically takes uh, two mortal wounds. Right, which is absolutely amazing. Um, it's great into vet guard. It's great into seven wounds. It's great into ten wounds. Uh, I think eight and nine is the same as as ten because of like math. And then anything higher than ten, it's good because it helps, but it's not going to help help you kill them like mathematically faster. Uh, in in how the how the math works, but. We have, they have Shuriken Pistol, just like every other operative. We have 
the twin shuriken pistols, which I think the scorpion claw can take. Am I correct? Because I'm just going off of uh, 40k uh, if, if memory serves, the twin shuriken pistols is a new uh, entry to the striking scorpion exarchs loadout alongside the twin ch- chain swords. If 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 I've got that correct, let me let me check real quick. Sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah, so so that's correct. So historically, striking scorpion exarchs have only had either the biting, biting blade or the scorpion's claw and chain sword. And I think they could also take the regular loadout for their for their aspect, which is a sh- uh, shuriken yeah. pistol and, and the chain scorpion's sword. claw typically comes with a shuriken pistol, but not a twin. yes. Uh, yeah, and so they don't say it outright in the rules, but the scorpion's claw is a chain sword, and so with the exarch with that option, he's got the claw in one arm, chain sword in the other arm. Um, but they represent it, you know, in, fine in the rules this way. Yeah. The okay. new loadout option, which is just wicked cool, is twin pistols and twin chain swords. Uh, for the Strange oh. Scorpion Exarch, that is new. Uh, that was that is oh. never before seen, I, I believe. Yeah, uh, no, no, it hasn't. <laughs> That's uh, which cool. Is, which, which is neat. Um, now, this guy uh, did not forget to bring the better, uh, the ammo belts for his Shuriken pistols, unlike the, mm-hmm. the uh, Dire Avenger version, because his Shuriken pistols crit for four um, and still have Relentless. So, yep. you know, I, I don't know what happened over for the It's the six-inch range, man. They're like, hey, it only it's only six inches, so let's give him a better crit i mean it hits one less yeah. than average but it has relentless so <laughs> yeah rel- relentless is pretty sweet you know now it's got six inch range like thankfully it doesn't have any indirect or anything right like there's yep. no way it has that so we don't need to worry about that front um <laughs> um yeah so what do, you, what do you think of the different loadout options what what, what are you gravitating to so i love the biting blade i just love the biting blade i just don't think it's at that good in this it makes me very sad um i would have loved to see it have brutal or some other special rule but in my opinion it's probably one of the worst more of the worst loadouts for it um which is very unfortunate i just love how big the chain sword is so i think actually the twin shrinking pistols and the twin chain sword is actually really good makes them really good at shoot, not only shooting, but it makes them also really good in close combat. And it just becomes probably the most reliable model that the Eldar can take just because both, both options have relentless. So you just automatically pretty much you're fishing for crits. You're doing what you need to do in order to, to, to do that. I mean, the, the twin chain swords, you know, is, is amazing going into uh, seven moon models. So is the biting blade. So is the the scorpion's claw. You're basically going to kill anything with seven moons on on one hit, right? Um, Scorpions eat seven moon models for breakfast. I think the yeah, really interesting yeah. question is is when you move to eight and potentially nine moon operatives, mm-hmm. um, and that's where you need that six damage crits, uh, yep. where where the biting blade and scorpion's claw uh, come mm-hmm. into play. Um, and particularly when you think about like, well, how do they deal with void dancers? Um, when you look at the uh, Scorpion's Claw, you're you're getting lethal five on four six and two mortal wounds in the charge, and brutal. basically guaranteed dead clown on the charge there. Yes, mm-hmm. with no retaliation, which is which yeah. is neat. Yeah, the Biting Blade is still good because if you crit with the one of your five attacks, like you're gonna do twelve because you have rending, so you can just switch another one. So maybe it's good into Legionary, but also Scorpion's Claws probably just as good because you have lethal five so 
I mean, it's it's difficult to know which one to take in that aspect. Yeah, I, I think they're all really cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then so so going into detail about the Manda Blasters. Remember, it's it's only when you perform the fight actions. Correct. It's only either during your activation or mm-hmm. if you did guard and you re- decide to resolve the guard by fighting, right? Which, yes. which happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only thing you can do the mortal wounds to is the target of the fight, um, which is a little bit of a bummer uh, because there's a few operatives that have the thing where when they charge, they deal impact damage, uh, mortal mm-hmm. wounds on the impact before the fight. Uh, those can pick something that they didn't fight, which is nice for the flexibility because, for example... If you charge into glitch glitchlings and a Hulk, you can do the two mortal wounds to the glitchlings and then fight the Hulk, right? If, if that's yeah, how yeah. you wanted to do it, uh, pick up a double kill. Manda blasters don't give you that option, um, so you're you're focusing into whatever the victim of your fight is. So you're really thinking, all right, well, how how can I just insta chunk a seven wound model or really kick a fight off against even tougher operatives by by chipping their mo- their armor down a little bit before we we actually start swinging? Uh, those two mo- two mortal wounds really add up and effectively just think whenever they fight, they just do plus two damage. Um, ner- or corn legionaries uh, have to spend ploys to do you know even one right. So sort yeah. of look what they need to mimic a fraction of our power. Yeah, I think I think the striking scorpion exarch is a lot of fun. I also think that manda blasters is probably the coolest rule uh, ability of all the exarchs uh, or of all the the aspects. It's definitely uh, powerful, uh, flavorful. And follows their lore greatly, and it's my favorite rendition of of what uh, GW's decided to do for the rules here. Uh, definitely S plus uh, A plus from me on the on the Manda Blasters. Just a great way to show the power of what these guys uh, are supposed to do and have done throughout editions uh, past. So. Yeah, when um, I saw this, I was a little surprised it was two. I thought they were gonna you know, I, I thought it was gonna be one. Uh, yeah. two two is that's a lot of damage. Yeah. Uh, it's it's great versus Felgor. Like, I mean, look at look at the the the, the normal striking scorpion, four attacks, hitting on threes, four five damage, rending, amazing. And here's the thing: they're gonna kill whatever they charge typically. Do I think that they could have given them five attacks instead of four? I think that they could have, and I don't think it would have busted the team. You know, I also don't think that, you know, the the three attacks, maybe into Space Marines, it makes a huge difference. Maybe they found problems there. But the three up save, I mean, I would have liked to see it. But, uh, yeah, yeah, these guys are, they're just super, you kill Felgor in two hits. You charge one, two mortal wounds, boom, boom, gonzo. You know, not bad. Yeah, um, I think it really it really skews fight math into situations where against many targets you would have taken one or two blows back. You now go to zero to one blowback, um, which is makes makes a big big change. Um, striking scorpions are awesome. Uh, they're they're more lethal than I expected and a little more fragile than I expected. So that's the sort of where they they skewed their uh, potential. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, one second. So I think. I think this team is really amazing so far, and they only get better with the abilities. I really like a lot of their abilities. Chris, you want us to take away us uh, on those on these abilities? Yeah, let's go into our last set of aspect techniques uh, for striking scorpions. Uh, these have been out for a while, um, so uh, you know there's going to be a little less surprise factor on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, patient stock, sudden blow. 
use this aspect technique when a friendly striking scorpion with a conceal order performs a move action. During that move action, the operative can and must move within engagement range of one or more enemy operatives. One enemy operative it moved through with, uh, with engagement range of suffers D3 plus two mortal wounds. Very similar to the uh, sort of the Shade Runner slicing attack mm-hmm. or the Felgor Flux Bray uh, swinging, uh, swinging attack there. Um, really cool that you can slap some free uh, damage in early on. Um, yeah, just, just very flexible, you know, good in turning points where you want to make sure that you can do some mission actions, but maybe score a free kill along the way. And again, uh, starting scorpions are eating uh, fragile models like, uh, you know, guardsmen or pathfinders for breakfast. These, oh, yeah. these guys seem to love seven wound operatives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, these guys are really cool because like uh, something that you could do is that you could move within engagement range of somebody like maybe that's like blocking a doorway and on, to, on into the dark, do your mortal wounds, uh, then shoot them and then possibly kill them and then throw out, uh, you know, a shadow wave grenade uh, to, to, to stop any kind of reciprocal shots. Unless if you're fighting a team that ignores obscuring, then you're kind of fucked. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> Uh, one other fun option would be to be on Into the Dark, activate a Scorpion with a Conceal Order, do Patient Stock Sudding Blow to do a drive-by D3 plus 2 on somebody, uh, then end up outside of one but, but with a with the ability to do a hatchway fight on them, uh, oh, then go, then oh, go oh. ahead and active and then do a fight action for another two mortal wounds and a fight. So it's, it's, it's unblockable D3 oh. plus 4 mortal wounds, and then you start swinging. God, Hilarious. you could just do seven mortal wounds to somebody and into the dark. <laughs> and Fuck, then the fight yeah. starts. Let's fucking go. Yeah, I know, but but <laughs> but they're definitely worse than Void Dancers, sure. Um got yeah, it. Yeah, definitely um, worse than for Void sure. Dancers. For sure. For yeah. sure. Um sick. Um I next see your up, Void Dancer and I raise you one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're at one wound before the fight starts. Uh good good luck. Um <laughs> have fun, buddy. Uh, yeah. okay. Uh next up, strike and fade. Uh, use this aspect technique after friendly striking scorpion with an engage order incapacitates enemy operative in combat and is now more than three inches from any operatives change that from the operatives order to conceal holy crap and you can imu- uh, immediately perform a free dash action even if it performed an action uh, during that activation that prevents it from performing the dash action uh, like like charge so uh, holy crap uh, this is you know the very obvious uh, charge into somebody kill them, maybe do a mission action, and then, oh, look at that, flip to conceal and do a dash. Uh, Amazingly strong, amazingly flexible. Striking Fade seems like the signature move of Striking Scorpions. Mm -hmm. Very Predator-esque. And it's very, very much um, worded in in a beautiful way for the team. And kind of, the team is supposed to be heavily armored ninjas. And these, that's just like, perfect for this team you know it's amazing yep. this is the ninja punch yeah yeah all right next up we have scorpion's eye uh so uh, striking scorpions have little targeters um in their eyes and i think they can see through their shuriken pistols i think hmm. um and so uh this is sort of predator vision use this aspect technique when a friendly striking scorpion performs the shoot action until the end of the shooting uh, attack that operative's twin shuriken pistols or shuriken pistol gains the indirect special rule, <laughs> and th- that enemy operative must make a shooting attack with it against an enemy operative in cover. 
Yeah, um, get so, fucked. <laughs> so I said earlier, uh, very, uh, very mistakenly, I suppose, that there's no way those twin shirk and catapults with rending could possibly get indirect. But here we are. Uh, how things have changed. Um, yeah, so range eye, six, relentless rending, indirect. <laughs> yep. So one guy chucks the the plasma grenade. The other, the other uses scorpion's eye, uh, and then you're just having fun indirect all over the place. Uh, Absolutely, freaking fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. No notes. Uh, moving on to merciless strikes. I think this one is probably the most niche striking scorpion aspect technique, um, but still useful. Use this aspect technique at the start of a of the resolved successful hit step of a fight action performed by a friendly striking scorpion operative. If you retained any critical hits until the end of that combat, that operative's melee weapons gain the stun critical hit rule. Uh, mm. This one is another reactive one because it does not require that the operative is is uh, active for this. So it's any combat. Um, which helps, you know, if you're if you're fighting somebody, maybe rolls a little hot, or you only got one crit in and need to do a little extra parrying. Uh, nice to gain stun uh, for that. Uh, you know, probably the most niche, um, but still nice because it's reactive. Here, here's a here's the thing. So, Space Marine charges you, right? Fights you, and you die, but you get a crit off, right? You stun them, then they can't perform their last one because they already have a minus one. Negative. So APL, you get all your actions generated at the beginning of the ground when right? you activate. So unfortunately, mm-hmm. so um, they would still have the extra one. and they are active. Uh, the minus one APL for the stun won't actually do anything because that modifier goes away at the end of at the end of that activation. So they, they actually hmm. have no effect. Uh, however, the effect it does have in that situation is it gives you that parry when you crit them, um, which is that's really, really useful. Mm, that's that's more of why you're taking this. If mm-hmm. you are the active operative, uh, that fight can help you get the stun off for the minus one APL. But then you sort of have the question of what could possibly survive having a striking scorpion crit it twice, including Manda Blaster. So we're looking at we're looking at twelve damage here, and mm-hmm. has not also killed the striking scorpion in in return. And the yeah. only thing I can think of where that's the case is a Gellerpox Hulk. Right, one where yeah. it, it rolls poorly, you pop contempt, use merciless strikes, and you somehow land a minus one APL on it. Uh, that's really the only only type of operative that doesn't have a huge melee punch necessarily, um, mm-hmm. and is going to be vulnerable to this. Um, yeah. yeah, but also isn't going to die exactly. Finally, uh, we have one with the gloom. Uh, another I would call. Uh, sort of signature kind of move for the for the team probably uh use this aspect technique when a friendly striking scorpion moves within a one inch of lighter heavy terrain feature under the start of its next activation while it has a conceal order it's always treated as having a conceal order regardless of any of the rules like vantage point so it's a little bit you know super conceal a little bit domino field-esque do keep in mind that you actually have to be protected by cover for this to matter otherwise i use the analogy of you're just standing uh pretending to be a tree but out there in the, in, a, in a parking lot so doesn't help you at all um very very strong though especially for early game to be able to move up to a potentially unsafe uh point and pop uh the perma conceal uh, helps mitigate you know scouts and their trip wires or vet guard spotters keeping yourself safe uh mm-hmm. teams like that tend to only have one or two victims that they can really pick and this helps you make sure that at least one of them could be a striking scorpion and be immune to it absolutely um i definitely think that i like um, strike and fade scorpion's eye then patient stock probably are like my, my three like go-tos um, one with the gloom super conceal is always going to be useful especially for that one operative that you just throw out into the middle of the field that you need to hold the loot or something like that without getting shot or killed 
So there's definitely some, or, or you're setting up a charge for next turn or something like that. So, um, I think that strike and scorpions have a ton of play. Um, I think that this team is going to be pretty darn difficult to pilot for sure. Oh, absolutely. Uh, high skill floor, high skill ceiling. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So equipment, uh, I'll go over a couple and then if you want to take over the rest, um, so we have weaponized panoply, which is interesting. They changed this cause it used to be better. Now it's worse. Uh, I got this prediction very wrong. Uh, you essentially add one to the weapons attack characteristic for dire Avengers. So now their, their, their fists go from three attacks. I think it's hitting on fours, three, four damage, um, to, uh, four attacks, which is good, but uh, is it the same? So I actually don't think, I, I think it's actually technically better than the compendium version, but hold on. Let okay. me let yeah. look at this real quick. And, and yeah, we have to check why. out the compendium. So okay. the, the actual, and again, I'm going off, man, Wahapedia is really, uh, well, really slow spam here. Yeah. Uh, no. So, so actually, no, it's straight up better. Um, so okay. when I said earlier that the team had weaponized panoplies by default, that's actually true. Um, in compendium, uh, the fists for Dire Avengers were only uh, two, three. Oh, okay. If you okay. Believe it. Now mm. they natively have three, four. So three, they four? already Good. get the upgrade compendium had. Mm-hmm. Then this makes it better than the compendium because now they go to four attacks at three, four. So they are equaling okay. a space marine in melee, which is wow. Um, yeah, which really, is really crazy. cool. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, no crap on your ranged operatives and for only one equipment point. Not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. Uh, definitely something that you might definitely want to take on any Dire Avengers that you take, just because it does add a little bit of threat to them in melee. I mean, you're probably going to shoot with them, right? But it's never... I've I've played melee Vetguard enough times to know that, you know, having a good little melee threat is still still good to have. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah de- definitely no-brainer here that if you have any equipment points left over, and you've already taken the two auto-takes here, uh, there's no reason to not take more weaponized pan- uh, please on your Dire Avengers. So I'll go over the next three runes next, um, and then uh, take the rest away. I don't know what the rest are. <laughs> so we have um, Rune of Prophecy, which is, you can only take it once. Uh, one AP, this is one of my favorite things of all of, all of them, right? So uh, one of my favorite equipments, just because it's, different than anything we've seen before. Uh, you definitely get, so you, once per battle when rolling off to determine initiative, you can add one, you can add one or subtract one from your result. Uh, this is a big feels bad for your opponent sometimes. Um, or if you need to go second or something like that, you know, it's, it's great to be able to manipulate, um, your, this is, it's better than vet guard. You get a reroll. It's, it's probably the best, initiative stealer in the game next to pathfinders that just auto take initiative um yeah i think it's uh i think it's very i think all told it spicy. is the best in the game of because outside you're not spending of, outside of uh well equipment wise but we, well, I, well i'm saying like all things considered right so i'm taking into account that this does not cost command points to use and okay, it's fair. only one equipment point and because you know the outcome you know you will add one um, mm-hmm. I think in more situations than not, I think it overall is better than the chronometer uh, for Vanguard, okay, yep. which I think is mm-hmm. like runner up. 
um, because it's only two equipment points, I think, for Vet Guard, um, which makes it a little better than the Kazakhan version where they have to spend their their precious command points on it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, super, super strong. Uh, I don't know why you could subtract one from an initiative because there's literally no situation where you'd ever want to do that. Um, <laughs> if you did not want initiative, then you add one to your result and then you give your opponent initiative because you won the roll. Uh, so yeah. there are zero, zero times where you'd ever subtract one. Okay. You know, you like, are right. <laughs> I guarantee you there is no situation. Um, <laughs> no matter what you want, adding one or doing is, nothing is better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And having the choice to do it is is also yes. awesome. It's not like you're on the second turning point. You have to add one or do nothing. Yes. Um, fantastic. So now we have Runes of Foresight, which is uh, amazing that they're using some of the old, you know, just terminology and lore from, from Eldar. Um, so when you reveal this equipment, select one of your opponent's strategic or tactical ploys, excluding command reroll. The first time your opponent uses that ploy, you gain one CP. This is one thing that I thought like they could buff the team with is giving uh, each Exarch the ability to auto generate one CP. I think it would help um, with, I think it would just like innately help the team. It might even break the team, but anything to get more CP for this team is direly needed because this team is going to burn through CP like none other. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) This is just an auto take at at one equipment point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else to say, right? Yeah. Rune of Prophecy and Rune of Foresight are just, you're only playing the team with eight equipment points anyway. Like, you, mm-hmm. you, you're just going to take those two uh, for sure. Uh, yeah, this is awesome. Uh, pick a ploy you think your opponent's going to use. Um, and most teams don't have a ploy that they basically can't use once per game or risk, uh, you know, getting you a command point. I, I can't think of any teams that can really suffer under this. Maybe Kazarkin with reposition uh, could like could live without reposition and um, neutralize target. Like maybe that team, uh, but even then, yeah, I don't know. You're still nerfing the team if they don't if they don't cast it. Uh, you, you, you know what? Maybe speed. maybe Vet Guard would ma- uh, no use in death. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. no, there, there's there's no team there's no team where you can't use this against. Never yeah. mind. Yeah. Um, there's also, uh, finally another rune is the rune of shielding once per battle. When this operative fights in combat or a shooting attack is made against it in the resolve successful hit step of that combat or shooting attack, you can ignore damage inflicted, uh, from one of the attack dice. So essentially, um, you get a rosary or you get just a scratch for one model at any given time. Give it to your exarch, give it to a dire avenger sitting on a back point to help them live longer. Give them to the you know, striking scorpion that you intend on keeping in the middle of the field. Super strong, super good uh, rune right here. Yeah, definitely take. I, that I think all the too. runes are auto takes. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think you could maybe make an argument for rune of shielding. You know, maybe because it's three. Maybe against some teams that have high volumes attacks, you're going to get less mileage out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I still really like it though. Um, in my in my mind. It, you know, this team is really vulnerable because they have so few wounds to getting chewed up in melee and just getting drowned in, in damage from fights. Uh, and this is another tool in that toolbox to help them mitigate that problem. So throw this on an Exarch, you know, Howling Banshee Exarch. That Exarch mm-hmm. is having the once per game, you know, Rosary is having the, the parry first, has contempt. You know, a lot of tools Amazing. to help slow down uh, taking damage. That's exactly what I was thinking, putting it on the Howling Banshee Exarch with contempt and being able to like, oh, so good. Yeah. It, it won't last forever, but for specific fights, especially earlier on, you can help really swing those to your favor. Mm-hmm. And then just charge another model. 
<laughs> oh yeah. Just keep, keep the pain train going. Uh-huh. Um, all right. What those other are the equipment runes. do these bad boys have? Yeah. So those are the, those are the exciting, unique ones. Uh, then we have the Wraithbone Talisman. This is the command reroll for free. Uh, I don't mm. know. You know, I rarely see these ever getting used. And because Blah. this team has such great other equipment options, we're going to just keep moving. Uh, there's yeah. nothing really to say about that. Mm-hmm. A shadow weave, a shadow wave grenade. This is cool. Uh, they have a smoke grenade. Uh, the problem with the smoke grenade is that at this point in the game, all the teams that obscuring is going to be really good against don't care about obscuring yeah. except for vet guard. Actually, I think vet guard is probably the notable exception, which still has no anti obscuring tech mm-hmm. fine by me. They don't need the help. Um, so I think this is going to be really good in that specific matchup. Um, and it is not limited. So you can actually take two of these bad boys and you might actually want to, um, depending on what else is going on. Definitely the team being able to throw a, a block of, of obscured is going to be really good in certain matchups. I definitely think that um, GW needs to look at obscuring and so many teams can break obscuring. Now it's become an actual problem, right? Scouts can do it now. Uh, Carsican can do it now. And it's just like, guys, can we like re add strength back to obscuring? Because it's, it's, it's laughable at this point. Uh, especially with teams that are super in the meta. I would love to see um, only like two teams actually have something that can just ignore obscuring. Just because it's kind of like, all right, like this is why I chose the team. Not like, hey, this is just a side benefit because I don't know how to buff the team otherwise. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it also limits the, just some of the game mechanics, right? Because you, you couldn't mm-hmm. really have like a game format that relies heavily on obscuring anymore. Because if you were to do that, like half the teams in the game just turn it off and the other half are just screwed. So, you know, if, means- if, if, if there was ever a game format that relied on obscuring to like prevent cross map shooting, that'd be a problem. Yeah. I also think that this is, this is a pain in the ass. I have been looking at uh, LVO maps and trying to adjust certain things and make changes so that we can make the final change to the LVO maps uh, and update the into the dark maps. Um, which should should already be out. Um, and I can't tell you how difficult Games Workshop has made map design. It is, in my opinion, actively impossible to make a good map. It not only did crit ops change so many things. Um, this is gonna this this is a hot take, but actively into the dark is by far the most is the best place currently for kill team because there's too many teams that ignore obscuring. There's too many teams that do funky or crazy shit uh, for deploy and do all this other kind of crazy stuff that it's just actively, this is a little bit of a rant. I apologize, everyone to make a good map open map for kill team. Cause something's going to happen. You either make a map with too much heavy in the middle so that you actively make cults, Felgor and melee teams too better, too, too good, or you don't have enough heavy in the middle. Um, and you just have a little bit, which makes obscuring, like obscuring, uh, ignoring teams too good. Or if you don't have any in the middle, you just make pathfinders and Vetguard too good. And it's like, what is the best balance? What is it's actively difficult to make good maps actively hard yeah that's a, that's a hot take there about itd being the overall better balanced format than open um of which i would enthusiastically agree actually yeah um yeah and 
if if that if you hear that and and your knee jerk reaction of it's quartz, of course it's not because of X, Y, and Z. Think about it this way. Think about just fundamentally elites and how different their experience is on Into the Dark versus Open. Um, mm-hmm. Think about how much guard changes in a world with Kazarkin having infinite elite points with infinite m- dice modding to be able to kill whatever they need. Uh, mm-hmm. Guard is a game changer there, and that that format is just so beneficial. Um, yeah, absolutely. And then and then we look at. You know, we've we've touched on everything. Oh, we, I guess we get the plasma grenade. So we'll we'll talk about the rest of the equipment. Then we'll move on to the final. Uh, uh, final. The final pieces of equipment for this team. Uh, I think. Well, I think we've gone over everything other than the plasma grenade at this point. Okay. So yep. uh, the plasma grenade, same as the compendium incarnation. Uh, four dice, three to hit, three four. We've seen it on elf teams before. We have it here in Blades of Cain too. Um, definitely going to see use out of this. Uh, a lot of the aspect techniques specifically call out that it does not work with the grenades. It only works in their aspect weapons. Totally makes sense. Totally fine. But that's just something to keep in mind here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So moving on to the terrain for this, uh, there's, it's relatively simple, I think to go over and then to give our, our relative feedback over the team or uh, over this, this, uh, you know, finality of of what we're looking at for this uh this this terrain system it's weird to me that everyone like every single podcaster all the other um youtubers and games workshop is saying that the meta is changing so much because of this terrain in season three this this and this it's like firstly okay listen guys we don't know if games workshop is going to be using this terrain at their tournaments it's actively going to be easier for them to do because there's less to transport there's, the maps are easier to set up um which might have been like maybe they saw some stuff two years ago to make them actively want to design something that was easier to take but also there's innate problems with this terrain that i don't think is meta or is going to fix anything in fact i think it just makes it it actively makes the game worse. Like we have teams that ignore obscuring too many. We have too many teams that fly and who knows what's going to come out in the future. We have rumors that, you know, Vespids and Elysian drop troops and or or jump pack scions or swooping hawks might come out like actively like this terrain in my opinion is not the meta or the competitive way forward from the rules that I've seen. Um <laughs> you know yeah i would agree with that assessment uh, overall and un- unfortunately i mean i guess something that's been lost in the noise um is that gw gave us open board layouts here uh really cool we've been wanting this and waiting for this a long time because you know to your rant earlier like how are we supposed to have a balanced game and, and map pack when there's not a specific you know, we don't even know what GW wants and how can we calibrate the game around different TOs having different maps in different regions. So uh, it's great that we have actual maps that we we can use now. Uh, the downside is I think this format, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know how it was designed or iterated on um, and I haven't played it. Um, so I, I want to try. Uh, I've got terrain that I can use that's going to get me pretty close. But boy, just looking at it on a paper, I don't see how this is going to work. Yeah, I think I think also like crit ops are an active problem in this type of terrain, right? Like actively like how is loot supposed to be scored on all these vantages? How is like recon going to be working? Um 
I don't know. It's just, it's difficult. Um, or or like remember, seeing- each of these missions comes with their own primary. So they, they replace the crit ops primaries. Yeah, but like like some of them are like innately lower scoring. So like, how are you supposed to randomly put them into a kill team tournament when points matter, right? Like, like when you... Oh yeah, when no, no, definitely this goes back to... Yeah, that's a great call out. This goes back yeah. to... Uh, I don't even know if the missions score equally between each other. Uh, so definitely you they don't. have to have they it. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you definitely, yeah, I don't think this is viable for, for tournament play because as a tournament organizer, you, you can't have enough tables with this all set up beforehand. I mean, unless you're just having people change out the terrain each time. So you just say like, Hey, round one, everyone's playing loot the rig, set your terrain up for loot the rig. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I don't know. You can't mix it though. You can't mix it into a, a tournament with other stuff. Um, yeah, we go back to Into the Dark uh, first iteration, right? I think that they're going to be making some kind of crit ops version of this map or, or of this of this terrain system, um, which will probably definitely help. But I mean, I just don't understand why the the maps aren't coming out, uh, you know, with competitive playset in mind as well. You know, it just seems like maybe they're, they're getting feedback from people or it's the same thing that happened with into the dark. Right. I just don't understand that the main rules maker is like, Hey, season three, we're not going to change the teams too much because season three is going to actively be, be crazy and change the development of the meta so much. But it's like, Hey, listen, man, in competitive, like, like you're, you're, you're balancing the game for competitive play more so than narrative because narrative is innately going to be unbalanced because of the rule set itself. So we go on to like all of a sudden all of everything is, is released and we don't even have the competitive version of this terrain. And then it's like, and then we act and then it's going to actively be worse. And then actively like tournament organizers aren't going to be running this terrain. It's just a really weird, um, I just, I just don't understand, but you know, in the end it is what it is. Each tournament organized, maybe some people are going to love this terrain and, you know, actively convert to it because it is less terrain than everything else. It's much easier to set up. It's going to be interesting to see what regions and what TOs actually actively pick it up. And if they can fix it in the new versions of the, the crit ops stuff. I should say. Yeah. My, my gut instinct tells me that it's not going to work, but I, I want to try it. I want to see how it goes. I think it's going to be fun to play. It's going to be fun to play and pick up games, really easy to transport. I think it'll be, I think it'll be a blast. Um, I just don't know how, yeah, competitively viable it would be. So, yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah. But do we have any other comments on this terrain or where, so our overall ratings of the team, where in an A, S through D, where are we putting scouts and where are we putting, um, in the current meta of the data slate of uh, Q4. In this, uh, the current uh, sort of, you know, uh, shooting winter, I guess, where uh, mm-hmm. we can call it here. Um, I'm going to go a little bit against the grain. Okay. And I think that both of these teams are what I would call A tier. Um, I think uh, Blades of Cain is a high skill floor, but high skill ceiling. And I see a lot of potential in this team to uh, really give the business to some of these shooting baddies. Um, and they definitely have the the tech to do it um, in a way that Void Dancers don't. 
Um, and I know, mm-hmm. I know that's definitely a contentious, contentious uh, uh, outlook. And then I think scouts are very, very good at, at handling the shooting meta, both because of anti-obscuring tech, a strong turning point one push, and the ability to flip things to engage and, and sort of put people on the back, put, uh, back foot from the beginning. So I think both teams uh, can handle this meta pretty well. I think in the previous meta, they w- would have been a lot worse. I think both teams would have struggled a lot more against uh, you know, Felgor and Colts at the peak of their power. But in this meta, I think they do better. That, that's mm-hmm. my feeling. I, I, I definitely agree. I think they're both A tier, maybe A minus for both. Um, which is good. It's a good place for the teams to be. Um, I do think, though, in average hands, uh, a player that has not played the team enough or isn't as skilled with them, maybe in the first few months, we're going to see a, a decently low win rate for Blades uh, just because there there is so many things you can do. So I think coming out the gate, I would definitely put Blades in B tier for what we're going to see their average win, win rate is. And then I think that they might have the same inquisition thing. Like people are still figuring out for like six to nine months, maybe, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden they start winning because people start seeing them. And also Games Workshop is going to see like, hey, like this team is struggling. We give them a buff and hopefully it's not too big of a buff. I don't think the team needs a huge buff. Um, I think that innately they're going to be a difficult team to pilot. So... Yeah, I, I absolutely foresee a combination of people saying that they're bad and they're also taking first place in a few tournaments. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I also could could foresee like no one figuring out this team and then them also like not being nearly as good as like we have hopes for um, because maybe they are just too complicated. It's definitely possible. Um do I think that's going to happen? No, but I'll, I'll leave it out there as a possibility. So I'd probably give them like a B plus rating currently when they first release and kind of see where they, where they fall after the first few months. Yeah. So. Definitely interested to see what my thoughts are after I play, you know, uh, about 10 games with the teams and, and, you know, gather my thoughts and see how they do in practice. Absolutely. So uh, Chris, uh, with us allowing Blades of Cain and, and Scouts, are you going to be uh, bringing them to LVO or are you going to keep that a secret? I'm, uh, I'm seriously considering Blades. Uh, I, okay. I really like them and I want to I play them a little bit, um, but they are, they are sort of what my go-to is right now, what I'm thinking. Okay, cool. All right, everyone. Well, thank you for listening. We're going to do our shout outs now. Um, I, I definitely want to shout out you know, this is, we're recording this on the 23rd. Um, so this is going to release in nearly a week, but, uh, I just want to shout out again, everyone, uh, that helped actively with, with my, with my, my family and my business and the unforeseen tragedy is that is the death of my laser and uh, everyone who's come together as, as a team, uh, as a kill team community, we have the best community out there. Uh, and I would just want to actively thank everyone again. And I also want to actively thank our patrons because our patrons really help uh, us going every single month and uh, help us make this more of a full-time thing more reliable. And we're actively excited to produce more and more content for everyone starting in 2024. So you will, won't just hear us. Hopefully you'll start seeing us as well. So that should be exciting. Uh, Chris, do you have anything? And my, uh, my shout outs are going to go to some of my fellow bats, uh, Sam and Christian, a shout out to you guys. You guys have just been playing so well and improving your game and, uh, just so wonderful to see your growth. 
and then also shout out to, of course, uh, my good my good buddies and uh, Kel team and uh, Squad Games. Just love all you all so much, and can't wait for 2024 and an amazing, amazing, uh, you know, uh, game and teams and meta and just everything is going to be so exciting. So I cannot wait for this new year and new meta. Absolutely. Uh, G, do you have anything? Yeah, I got some shout outs. You know where you can find me. I'm on Instagram, wargaming underscore studio. Again, that's wargaming underscore studios. I just finished my casterkin. I said that on the last episode, but I'll say it here again. And I'm going to probably work on a few more of the extra bodies just to complete the team. I'm excited to play with them. They're very fun. And I want to shout out everyone on the Discord. You know, they're making the conversation happen. And you can join that conversation in the link in the description to our Discord. I want to then shout out our patrons. Thank you so much for doing what you do. We really appreciate it. And lastly, if you're looking to get any new box sets or looking to pre-order Salvation or anything, you can still do so, I believe on Frontline Gaming's website. Our link is in the description. So if you use that link, it adds no additional charge to you, but we get a kickback, which we really appreciate. Thank you, guys. And that's it. Stay punk rock. The Squad Games Podcast is a production of Squad Games Entertainment. For more information on Squad Games, please visit our website at lustersworkshop.com slash squad dash games.